and welcome, folks, to episode 61. Yeah, yeah, the actual number 61. The actual episode 61. <laughs> let, me start, let me start again. Hello and welcome, folks, to episode 61 of the Ministry of Dice podcast. We're a UK-based podcast talking about all things Dice Masters in the United Kingdom. I'm Chris, otherwise known online as True Mr. Six, and with me today I have Andy. A.K.A. Highway to the Danger Room. Batman out. <laughs> I see what you did there. Do you like that? <laughs> it's funny, uh, that's Kenny Loggins. And I was watching Final Space on Netflix, the new series, and they had a whole thing about Kenny Loggins on that. Whatever happened to Kenny Loggins? He's still around. There's a TV show on MTV called... Oh, what's it called now? Uh, it's one of the dudes from Hall & Oates. Daryl Hall. It's called uh, Daryl's House, it's called. And he was on that. He just gets like guest musicians in and they play songs. They did his... Did Kenny Loggins do Footloose? Am I getting confused? No, it was Kenny Loggins. Oh, let's do a little Google search. Yeah. Anyway, how are you, my man? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. How are you? Uh, well, you know how I am, because we just discussed it before recording. I'm okay. I've got a sore foot. I've hurt my foot. Oh, dear. Hmm. He did do. He did Footloose and Danger Zone. Well, there you go, yeah. Uh, the king of movie soundtracks, obviously. Isn't that um, John Williams? Did I get it right? Did you I did. get his name right? You did get it right. Yeah. Uh, boom! Yeah, you did get it right. I think there's a difference between uh, soundtrack and score. Oh, it's very deep. Yeah. Well, he also did playing, playing with the boys. Another Top Gun massive soundtrack hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little known fact for listeners, actually, just while we're talking about Top Gun and that song in particular, uh, you may may or may not be aware, but uh, Andy was actually the inspiration for Tom Cruise in that scene. Tom had come over to the UK for a visit and was down on the south coast on the beaches of Southampton. He was taking a stroll al- uh, along, uh, and he caught a glimpse of our man Andy here, along with uh, Javier, Rob, and Mike. Uh, They've been doing some Dice Masters practice. This was back in the days when it was actually called Cardmasters. On the beach, on some mats on the beach, wearing aviators and topless, all oiled up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where that's he got the true. idea from. Yeah. I was ripped. <laughs> <laughs> in the 80s, I was ripped. <laughs> of that, I have no doubt. Look like me now. Uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've got, fact. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I heard that. That was in uh, that was in Tom Cruise's autobiography, actually. If, if anyone wants to go yeah. and check that out, yeah, that's a good autobiography. It's called When I'm at Andy. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's 800 pages, all, all centered on five minute encounter on a beach in Southampton. His teeth used to be crap, didn't they? Yeah, the Southampton even have beaches. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a stone beach, uh, yeah, with the pebbles, not the sand, but the pebbles. Yeah, I thought it was all kind of. I, I mean, I know it's coastland, but I thought it was all sort of port. It is mostly. We've got a little beach. It's, it's right at the edge of a uh, really massive council estate. It's not very nice. Uh-huh. Took the kids down there one Friday evening and um, family show, but we had to leave with uh, the fear that all four of us might have come back high as kites. Just from the just from the air. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that, I see. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, what have you been up to this last two weeks, Andy? Well, how really have I been yeah. Oh, well, I've, I've got some gaming in. Um, I um, I will talk about this more on a future episode. Well, I've got a few more games on to my belt, but I took uh, D-Day Dice uh, out for a, uh, a spin and uh, got through the first couple of, uh, kind of starter missions, if you call them missions, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a very good game. Excellent. And uh, yeah, I'll be delving more deeper into that and giving a bit more of a full review in an episode coming up in the new year now. Uh, yes, it will be in the new year. Um, so do it's, we want to uh, talk about that more now? or do we? It's dickered, yeah. Well, I only went through, I quite like when games do that, where they go, this game, and overall it's quite, it's quite a simple mechanic, but like all good games, the, the further you delve into it, the more complicated it gets. Uh, but it kind of does it in stages. So your first stage, you only count a few bits and then you add a few bits more. And then as you go on, so it's quite a gradual sure. learning curve, which which I need uh, as I am an old man. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the concept behind it is that you get your dice. They're not you know numbered dice. They've got little symbols on it, different kind of soldiers and, um, stars and, and, and bits and bobs uh, and you roll them and you have to keep you have six dice you roll two then you get you can re-roll the others twice more uh, they're red white and blue to fit in with the uh, kind of British slash American theme you can be Brits Canadians Americans or the free French as I was uh, I was informed by my history teacher friend who was playing with me. He knew all the ins and outs of, uh, of World War Two as he should. And then you have to go up the beach towards a bunker or some kind of stronghold. Uh, you take more damage as the further you go up the beach and you've got my minefields to deal with and crap like that. Uh, and then ultimately you want to get to the bunker and stay there a turn to kind of crack it and kill the, uh, the Germans. Mm. And, um, and there's, move on from there there's different battlefields that you can play on so the first one's quite basic it's beach rocks grass bunker with a bit a few bits on there but as you progress on there's like different battlefields to progress on which i've been told are historically accurate in at least description and yeah and it's made by our good friend mark now what's the name of the publishing company it is Word Forge Games, isn't it? Word Forge Games. That's right. Yeah, Word Forge That's Games. Right. Word Forge Games, uh, who you can find at uh, the Crescent Gaming Consortium in Leamington Spa, where we do our MOD PDFs in the East Star. Very good, yeah, very good. Oh, that's good. Are you playing anything else then? Are you gaming night, or do you just do a few D-Day dice? Uh, well, I've rocked up a bit later because I was working on the Saturday, uh, and we got halfway through a Mansions of Madness mission uh, before we ordered uh, Slap Up Indian Takeaway. And then oh, after we had that, we weren't really in the mood to continue on investigating a murder on a steampunky-style blimp because we were all eating too much. So we kind of sat around and went, oh, and then played some Dino Dice. Fair, yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely curry, though. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And they put, you know, like you get your, your sauces for the Papa Dons. Yeah. So they put they had like you know one of those foil trays you actually put curry in. Mm. They f- filled it with the uh, the mint sauce. So it was a little bit bizarre. It's just like a vat of mint sauce. 
A vat of mincer. It's like if like you didn't know, it's like a you know, if 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 you'd have thought it was a more solid substance, it could have could have been messy. <laughs> and when right. you're using the neoprene playmats as a as a tablecloth, that would not have gone down very well. No. No, no, that would have ended badly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Other than that, I haven't really played much Dice Masters. I think we played a couple of games to get you prepped for Euros, but now we're on a Euro hangover. So uh, I'm keen to get some gaming on later with you after we've recorded this. Yes, which we will do, yeah. Absolutely. How about you, my friend? What have uh, you been doing? What have I been doing? Yeah, great question. So uh, I've played a new game this last two weeks as well called Ooh. Rock Paper Wizard. Ooh. It's by WizKids special. Yeah, by our friends over at WizKids. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Um my son is is struggling to get his head around it. So conceptually you're all a group of wizards, you're trying to invade the dragon's cave to steal his loot and you have like a track that you move up and down on and you cast spells on each other to like, you know, hold people back, push them to one side, freeze them to the ground so that you can be the first of the coins. But some of the strategy is a bit deeper than I think Harrison can quite get his head around because there are some where you might push your opponent forward a bit, but it's got a secondary game text that... Do you know what I mean? Like there's... Or you might only push them back one. Right. But there's additional benefits, whereas he just seems to think, well, I'll go for the one that pushes me furthest forward or pushes them furthest back, which is not always necessarily the best case. And also, if you both cast the same spell at each other, you cause like a wild magic reaction thing. He doesn't quite understand that. And then he gets all stressed out. When he does actually manage to figure out a plan, he gets all stressed out when he goes to pot. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a bit uh, he's, yeah, he's a bit young for it yet. But uh, overall, I've uh, been enjoying it. My daughter really loves it. So I'll get the hashtag competitive wife involved so the three of us can play. Maybe she can support Harrison or something. And then on the Dice Masters front, down at Element Games, we just had a, a modern night where I've been testing out a janky little team that I made for fun because I'm not feeling particularly serious and competitive <laughs> right now after all the intensity of getting ready for the WizKids European mm-hmm. Open. So I've just been playing around with some things. I've been trying to set up a situation where my opponent bag burns himself to death. <laughs> yeah. How so. did it work? Uh, all right, I got a bit of bag burn damage. It actually kind of sort of worked out better. Some of the some of the strategies I've been using to cause my opponent to empty their bag and not have anything ready to go, like instant war, for example, getting stuff out into the field. So I've been winning by attacking with all my sidekicks. <laughs> nice. Right. Yeah, but uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, um, Ben Ben Scott, our world champ, has uh, has been in the loop on this. He's been helping me put it together just for a bit of stupid fun to entertain ourselves. So, uh, however, uh, the rest of the element crew didn't get the memo. There was a boom boom team, an Iceman team, a <laughs> team, and then me with my stupid instant war thing going on. But it did surprisingly well considering, you know. Nice. Yeah, uh, and then I think that's it. Oh, I've been on Apex quite a lot. I've had a little uptick in Apex clock oh, time. Nice. Yeah. Did you get your 14 packs? Uh, is, that, is that actually... I read that it hadn't come to the consoles yet. It was last night when I turned mine on and updated it. Oh, okay. Right, I'll go and have a look, for that, look at that then. Got a lovely legendary RE45 skin. 
Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have that. I mean, I'll have them waiting for me then if it's dropped. Yeah. But there was a thing about it. It went up on the PC but didn't go up on consoles. Oh, well, yeah, usually things go up on a Tuesday, but it was yesterday that I managed to have a, a sneaky look. Ah, right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, no, I'll go back and have a look at that and, and get my packs then. Cool. And that's me. That's my last two weeks. Excellent stuff. Cool. So I've been bimbling around, I'm keeping an eye on the old Dice Masters related social medias. Yeah, waiting for your next mention on uh, Rolling Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I, mean, I was mentioned on uh, mentioned on CR Game Room this week as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, any mention of me at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. Will you watch it? Probably not. No, yeah, man, they talked about you loads. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. Um, uh, I'm, I'm out and about hustling, you see. And it uh, just, and yeah. just. Uh, I'll tell you one thing uh, in the last two weeks. So, uh, following the success of the Whiskey's European Open and the desire to sort of keep relations uh, open and conversation going between the, the European communities, myself and Peter Shernak opened up a Dice Masters Europe facebook group so if anybody's listening who's not already joined who's in say the polish community the czech community slovakia spain uh the guys over in denmark if any of you are listening please do find your way over to that and join so you can join the european related conversation any any european listeners who've not already joined the facebook group please come and join us over there at (laughs) eurorobler6.com um and then i got the I finished up all the whiskeys or as much of the whiskeys European open content as I had the energy to do last week. And I've not gone back to it this week. So there's still a few bits outstanding, but I put Peter van der Veld's tournament report up and my own tournament report up. Peter's was kind of from the whole weekend. I focused just on the modern event. Nearly all the team lists are done. I've not finished the 10 in 10 yet, but I didn't think anyone was in a particular rush to, <laughs> to dive into those. Hit the 10 in 10 meta. Yeah, yeah. So I, I made sure I got the modern and the global escalation done. Um, so they're up. My tournament reports there, and Peter's tournament reports there. So head on over to BritRoller6.com to take a look at those. Somebody on Facebook the other day said, uh, "Where are the team lists?" I was like, "How could he possibly not know?" I, I saw you put them right quite quick. Yeah, yeah. I was on that. Yeah. I was on that. I was like, "Go to the website. It's like right at the top of the front page." In fact, I'm I'm shocked that. That there's someone out there who plays Dice Master who isn't at least checking in on the BritRoller6.com website twice a day. I know. On the off chance I post something, I think it's quite offensive, really. That's BritRoller6.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and as as a result of all the Gaming vs. Cancer and the Whiskey's European Open passing, I've also uploaded our competitive play practice series of videos. Ooh. Yeah. Which has seen a beautiful little bump to our uh, subscriptions. Oh, have we? Have we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I messaged you about it the other day. I thought you meant in addition to... Uh, no, 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 no. But, you know, were we were languishing in the 80s for ages. And, you know what, you know, the 80s, they were a good place to be. Yeah. Uh, however, we are now, as I talk slower, to find the information that I'm 92. looking for. He beat me to it. Uh, yeah, 92. 92. Eight away. We broke the 90s. Come on. We broke the 90s. Now to get into yeah. the noughties. Absolutely. So head on over and take a look. It includes the seven episodes. I had to can one of them. 
because the audio wasn't on it. Really? Yeah, I didn't record the audio. Which one was that? Um, oh, I don't remember. I just deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was no audio on it. I don't know what was going on with that. Something funny with the OBS. So seven of the eight went up. I had to cam one of them. But it includes your... You can sort of see the evolution of your team in preparation for gaming versus cancer. Yeah. Um, and you can you're see very locked in, isn't it? When you do a team, you're pretty much locked in in what you want to do straight away. Whereas I'm more, I'm more like put some stuff out that doesn't work. What would work? It takes me longer with most things as well as dice masters. I, I'll add, but, um, uh, yeah, it's quite cool. To see the progression of, of my thinking and trying out different things and watching them fail. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> More often than not. Yeah. Uh, you'll see me just chopping and changing through my kind of short list. I had a short list of teams. So you'll see me chopping about, um, not changing them a great deal, just trying to just trying to get my routine down, my 100 games in. Yeah. Be interested yeah. to know what people think, because you had a short list of three, your Iceman, your Nobby, and your Boom Boom. That's right. Uh, and you ended up with the Iceman. I'd be interested mm. to see after people have watched the uh, the videos if they watched the videos, what they thought, and if they thought maybe another one would have been better off or how they compared against each other, do let us know. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, while I'm talking Whiskey's European Open, we had a few people attempt to respond to my can you guess where the incidental theme music has come from? Did anyone get it? One person got it. <sighs> there were lots of, <sighs> lots of really curious guesses. Um, also, our man Jordo. To, I think tried to trap me into telling him. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky. Yeah, but I, I was not falling for his shenanigans. Uh, but yeah, Tej, our man Tej, the figurehead of Scottish Dice Masters. Yeah, well done. He dropped me a message and says, it's not from the Eurovision Song Contest by any chance, is it? Which it was. It was the 2019 Eurovision Song Contest theme. So of there course. you go. Yeah, of course, because it was the Whiskey's European Open. So well done, Tej. I'll have a little route around in my box of Dice Masters goodies and see if there's something interesting I can send up to you. Cause that's oh, a- I don't think there's much Dice Masters that he hasn't got. No, sure, but we'll see. Might be able to produce something that that's a little bit of a surprise. Uh, and that's it. Oh, and D&D's been delayed, but, you know. That's Standard. It. Yeah, and I think that just means North America will get it when we get it normally. <laughs> <laughs> so, not really bothered about that. Um, although I was speaking to to my guy in Asmodee, who said that they've they've got no projected date for UK and Europe currently for it. Well, it will be here soon enough. Yes, yeah. Well, there is one copy over here, which we gave away. We'll have it before you know it, and it will be the next thing that will be exciting. Yeah, I think people are just a bit restless for a new meta now, aren't they? With Nats Worlds, Whiskey's European Open, and the online tournaments in between, I think we've seen a lot of the same stuff. The same cream has risen to the top. See what I did there? As they say. Yeah. <laughs> See what cream. I E, it always rises to the twap. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we're consistently seeing Nobby, Iceman, Boom Boom, Boom Boom, Green Lantern. You know, the lists are starting to, the, your peak of the mountain is starting to form, isn't it? Lovely. It is, it is going to shake it up a bit, and there's definitely some pretty strong cards in there that's going to do some shaking. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, in fact, one of our upcoming segments. Uh, was inspired by uh, what a part of my contribution to an upcoming segment was inspired by 
um, one of the new D&D cards that's caught people's eyes. How interesting. And on that note, let's tell the listeners what we've got coming up in this episode. Let's do that. So we had all the live audio from the Whiskey European Open and the very immediate day after thoughts and feelings from me but we're going to revisit the whiskey european open in a segment kind of just getting a little bit more under the skin of it and perhaps picking up my brains a bit more while <laughs> when i'm a bit more alert and ready to go and to talk about it i uh, hope you enjoy that and then uh, we've had some listener correspondents asking us to have a team brew attempt using a janky card which we have dutifully obliged. Absolutely. So we've both built a team and we'll, we'll be talking about that in the segment. Did we name the janky combo thing segment? Did you like to name a segment? I never really thought about that. Let me have a think whilst we uh, prepare and we'll see. Okay. Hold no on. Worries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hold so on to your hats, folks. Absolutely. And with this extra long, super, in need, desperately in need of a kingpin intro, that should bring, <laughs> <laughs> bring us to the conclusion of the episode. So uh, we hope you enjoy. Anything else, Andy, or should we crack on with the show? Let's crack on. All right, off we go then. Yes, well, okay then, folks. Welcome back. And for this segment now, what we'd like to do is kind of continue talking a little bit about the Whiskey's European Open with a little little sprinkling of gaming versus cancer in the mix there. That are kind of two main competitive events that both myself and Andy have been involved in over the last month or so. And just have a little bit of a chat about some of our observations around the teams we saw. What Were there any trends that we were noticing? Any interesting trends that we thought would be there that we didn't notice? cards that seem to rise to the top you know all, all that kind of good meta chat type stuff if, if you'll allow us is that all right with you mr england yeah yeah sounds good hopefully uh, if you're a seasoned player or a new player you'll find something interesting in this segment <laughs> who used to say that was that the double burst who used to say that no it's the beginning of down and out and out and <laughs> the reserve pool um <laughs> yeah well um i think i suppose this segment has kind of grown out of so after we recorded earlier this week to um the little little insight behind the curtain there folks so we, we, we're doing two recordings this week we've we recorded to get the WizKids european open special completed and out and then just a few days later we're here getting our segments together for the coming episode episode 61 actually i think i said 61 in the last episode and it wasn't it was episode 60 yeah yeah Pfft, whatever and Indeed. sorry what are you gonna do well i could have edited it out if i'd have realized at the time Mate, you've just flown home from a epic weekend of dice mastering. I'm sure people have let you off. Yeah. I have. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, does number in the episodes actually serve any purpose, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a way of organising and categorising the uh, podcast that we do. Well, that's I suppose that's a reasonable enough explanation as any. <laughs> um, but So it's still quite fresh in our minds, really, I suppose, the Game vs. Cancer Weekend and the WizKids European Open. So by the time this episode comes out, it'll sort of be two weeks later, and the, the kind of excitement and interest will have petered out, I suppose, a bit. But for us, it's still pretty fresh in our mind. And after we recorded on Monday, Andy and I were just, just nattering, and I was saying, so tell us a bit more about what was going on and what you saw. And I suppose this has kind of grown out of that, uh, in addition to conversation we've been having around the Gaming versus Cancer stuff. Uh, and also, you know, uh, I don't know about you, Andy, but I've had a few people messaging me after the event or um, over the last couple of days 
Uh, our man journey for example just had a kind of bit of an instant message conversation about the meta that we observed i noticed that troy was taking an interest on discord our friend troy from over at the dice coalition so we thought we'd just expand on on that and share our thinking i suppose you know yeah yeah so i suppose one thing that particularly stood out to just get straight into it is that the win conditions of choice in the European meta, both in the UK and in the wider European scene, seem to be... Well, there's definitely trends there, isn't there? There is. I think we narrowed it down to three three cards or three kind of win conditions that, that rise to the top, like cream. They always rise to the top. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, immediately, if we look at the top eight teams from the Whiskey's European Open, four out of the eight teams there were Iceman teams. And I think they were the four Iceman teams that were played all day. I don't think there was another Iceman team in, in the Whiskey's European Open that didn't make top eight. So I think that's that's you know a really interesting... Yeah, strong. Yeah, and of course, Iceman teams went on to be the two finalist teams. Both James and Peter van der Velde played an Iceman versus Iceman final. So clearly that was a very popular win condition, which I don't, I don't imagine would come as any surprise to most listeners or certainly any listeners who, are, who pay close attention to what's going on competitively. Iceman performed well at the Worlds event, I'm pretty sure, although now I'm doubting myself. It's definitely in and about. There were, I don't think it did as super strongly is or as prevalent as it was for the euros no and and that was something that i noticed as well was that certainly in my 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 team preparation i'd built my team thinking that the 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 two finalist teams from worlds which was ben's green lantern list uh green lantern human and laurier's atlantis kind of swarmy style uh psychic swarm style list were going to be pretty prevalent so my own team for example think trying to measure up the meta and, and build my own team uh, it, you know my decision to put wonder woman reflections on the team for example was almost entirely driven by the green lantern you know right and i most definitely put scarlet witch on there for the likes of atlantis to try and lock them out so I think uh, I think it's particularly interesting that those two finalist teams didn't go on meta-wise to be. I think there was in the European Open there was maybe one Green Lantern team, and we didn't see an Atlantis team at all. No, I mean with the Atlantis team, you know, if it's the thing is that it wasn't played properly at Worlds, so I'm not sure how powerful it is. And people, unless you practice it, you're not going to know if it still stands up to to the rest of the the kind of top end meta if it's paid kind of to the rules so i mean that one i wasn't too surprised about i'm surprised that more people didn't kind of net deck ben's team because it won worlds you'd have thought that that would have been in and around but people like to play what they're comfortable with as well yeah sure i mean i don't think i think you're right i think you know certainly anecdotally there was a lot of conversation going on on the day about oh i'm surprised that i haven't seen any of this or oh look at oh that's interesting what you're playing that you know that kind of stuff that happens and i know that you know yesco in particular the you know the 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 the, the grandfather of the fish team had chosen not to play the fish himself and and he expressed um, to me in a conversation that it was because he felt that Green Devil Mask was going to be pretty prevalent and there was quite a bit of Green Devil Mask about mm. his European Open um, and he was concerned about m- managing that in terms of the team. Uh, I am, I, I've got no explanation as to why Ben's Green Lantern list wasn't more prevalent though. 
that's that's curious. Yeah. I don't know. I can't explain that, and certainly didn't kind of come up in any of the anecdotal conversation that's taken place on the day to help me kind of understand why that was the case. But outside of Iceman, across the two events, Gaming versus Cancer and the Whiskers European Open, there was a fair presence of uh, Boom Boom Time Bomb, the common Boom Boom, the one that does two damage when an action is used. Yeah, that is super strong. I mean, you've played it a lot. And it's, yes, it's yeah. super duper quick. My feeling behind is that because you play it as as you do with quite a lot of protection and kind of control, uh, but I think it could get stripped down to be just literally super fast damage. I'm surprised I didn't see that. Saw it more. I saw. I think we saw kind of two, maybe three of them at uh, Gaming versus Cancer, and I think looking through the team list, there was maybe kind of a couple. At Euros, but they were a lot of, kind of a bit further down the list. Yeah, I think. Well, there's a couple of things there. I mean, I certainly, as you say, I play Boom Boom a lot, and I had considered Boom Boom for my modern team. In fact, you uh, you know full well that I was all for playing Boom Boom, and, and actually, Iceman, I was lining up for my Global Escalation team, and at the last minute, I did a switcheroo because I felt that Iceman was uh, performing better for me in my playtesting. Uh, I think the thing with Boom Boom is there's a lot of moving parts. You know, to to really uh, maximise and amp up the damage, you need your boom boom. You want uh, a hope pluripotent echopraxia to copy her to double up the the volume of damage. You then need to buy up basic actions like a lunatic to just really drive it through. And then, in order to make that consistent and optimised, you need a solution for Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Scarlet Witch puts a proper thorn in its side. Yeah, absolutely. You need a solution for Scarlet Witch, and you need something that will protect your hope and boom boom because their defense stats are not great. Um, And certainly for me, in the current meta where Magic Missile is so prevalent with Iceman about, I was just finding that people were shooting my dice off all the time. Uh, that happened in playtesting, which is one of the reasons why I switched over to Iceman. But also in the global escalation at the Wizkids European Open, where, where I did play my a kind of modified version of my Boom Boom list, there was still a lot of Iceman teams around, which meant there was lots of unstable canister and magic missile global around. And it happened just as it did in playtesting. People were just like, and I'll drop two bolts into your Boom Boom. Thanks very much. You know, yeah, I was either whiffing it then on the re-roll, which is exactly what they wanted, or at the very least they were applying more pressure to me because Boom Boom's fielding costs are quite painful. Yeah. Was it 0-1-2 or 1-1-2? So, yeah, Boom Boom is clearly a very popular win condition, and there may be a way of really amping up the speed so that it's right in your face. I know some people have been playing around with a kind of thrown brick momentum thing where you can throw your brick, drop it in your prep area then momentum it back in so that you're doing three sets yeah but again it's a lot of moving parts that's you know you need four dice there yeah it is but it's a lot of moving cheap parts isn't it well that's true also yeah yeah hopes three boom booms two and then momentum's one and throwing bricks two so it's you say that and then throwing bricks gonna be churning things through your bag as well so it, it it is a lot of moving parts but it is a lot of cheap moving parts, albeit it's hard to manage more dice and getting them where you want them, the more yeah. dice you have. And obviously they're not in the fields, so they're not coming out, so you need to be probably throwing some sidekicks out to uh, thin your bag out a bit. Yeah, it just but, takes uh, it just takes one whiffed thrown brick and things go a bit awry. Yeah. You know, so, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I can only share my own thoughts as to why I eliminated it. 
but as a direct damage fan who plays both teams quite a lot and has done for a good year now, you know, um, and that's a point I suppose we can revisit the fact that it's the same teams that have been knocking around for a good year now. Um, mm. I'm not surprised to see Boom Boom about. We had one in the top eight of the WizKids European Open. We had one in the top four at Gaming versus Cancer. Um, you know, but uh, and also an, an, another thing, just to revisit a point from earlier, I think that Ben Said Scott said this on on Facebook when the when I put the team lists up, he dropped it in the comments because there were a few people saying, "Oh, well, why is there no Atlantis around?" And Ben kind of observed that European players are much bigger fans of. Yeah, slowly, slowly catching monkey. I want to steadily do four damage a turn for five turns, and know that I've got a secure win, than try and go for a cannon that do, to do twenty that could fall through. You know. Yeah, like the crane kick in Karate Kid. Uh, yes, exactly like that. Do you like that? That's a good analogy, yeah. and that analogy is a good word. Absolutely, it is. The third. Third card or kind of combo <laughs> win condition that I think is very prevalent at the moment, or is certainly light cream rising to the top, uh, is Collector. And yes, Nobby. yeah, Collector Nobby, absolutely. So, well, uh, I suppose there's a couple of things to acknowledge here. It was it's the same player. It's Arma. It's the Smuggy Ninja playing the collector at gaming versus cancer and at the WizKids European open took it to the top four at gaming versus cancer took it to the top eight at the European open. Um, but there's no denying that the collector has been performing well this last year, you know, Arge took it to the U S nationals win earlier in the year. I myself used it in the rest of the world's tournament, you know, so the collector is definitely a win condition. That's, that's now having its day. Yeah, um, I, I, I see it as a bit of a connoisseur's team. You've got to have you've got to have the ability to, to know what your team does, but be able to know what's on the other side, how it plays, how it works, and when it would be better than using what your own. Oh, for sure, yeah. Fair, you know, you need to know your stuff to properly maximise it out, uh, so that you know it's okay. I could collect her in a knobby for a fist, or do I collect her in you know whatever's on the other side, and that's going to do a bit more damage. It's going to put you know it, it's it's a think, thinking man's team how'd you like that oh thanks mate yeah well I, I i take it as a compliment as a as a long-standing collector player i'll give you an example actually from the WizKids european open uh, when i played against spug so um, me and spug uh, i I've, i'm halfway through writing my, my tournament report so you guys will see this in a bit more detail in the tournament report but there was a moment where as two very capable control players we basically locked each other down i had spug's knobby bang to rights with my wonder woman reflections that wasn't going anywhere and my scarlet witch was taking care of the danger room so spug was struggling to get his damage through that way and spug was collecting in the intimidating songbird which was swiping away my uh, Iceman at the crucial moment in the main step before i could get anything done in the attack step so we were in this strange stalemate where we were locked out however locking out spug's danger room meant that he had a few bolts hanging around and in his own turn for in a couple of instances he grabbed my iceman and then just banged a bolt or two into that now he didn't have the same kind of bolt generating capacity that i had because my team's obviously been configured to really generate loads of bolts um, mm. but it was enough for him to just be able to get to eke a few chips away um so much so that at the conclusion of the game his life count was on like nine or ten and my life count at the conclusion was at three um and it and if he'd have gone in all in he'd have maybe 
done another two damage and taken me down to one, so it would have made it super close. And that, that's a great example of a kind of collector player going, well, I brought my win condition over here, but you've kind of put put that to bed. So uh, let's have a crack at yours. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've tried it. I haven't got the patience for it. <laughs> no, no. But I think the thing that's given Collector its its day it was the arrival of Cree Captain Global, making it much quicker and easier to strive for that five cost. And I think Clayface Global as well. As, although Spug didn't use the Clayface Global, but in in my experience as a Collector player, that's giving it a bit more of a lease of life. Yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't see a lot of, uh, and I suppose obviously didn't see much in the way of kind of aggro-y attack all in kind of combat damage kind of teams no uh so alex dickerson alex dickerson's team was a little aggro-y yeah his was built around parasite maxwell jensen and uh using the inset play global with his sidekicks and so his classic maneuver is to get parasite bought up he's nice and cheap in fact he goes for two very early doors gets himself a sidekick out with his PhD global and just has that camping out or in fact he moved on to mimic ramp so that he you know he's making good, always need churning sidekicks around mm. and then he had the outsider global drop a couple of outsider globals on his two parasites inset plague the sidekick and go through for 11 yeah super strong super strong yeah that, that, that is I mean it's nice to, to see and, and listening to what he said in um, the last episode with you He'd worked on it a lot. He'd practiced it, and it goes to show, you know, if you practice and you play a team and you get to know it, that you can definitely do really well. And he did do really well. Congratulations, dude! Um, but yes, yeah, strong team. I was surprised because that was earlier on in the year, like our MOD PDM in Leamington Spa around May time. We saw quite a few teams like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unblockable Poxwalkers, unblockable Uantes, uh, Awaken Ant Man, all immediately spring to mind as being quite prevalent for a short period there. Yeah. yeah, I think the challenge there is, uh, well, a couple of things with the unblockable dice. Uh, uh, in my experience, from my own view, it certainly is not a particularly great combat player. I find that my unblockable attacker gets kind of a bit lost back into the use pile. So I do one good hit and then I sort of, then I'm floundering for a turn or two while I'm waiting for it to come back round, especially with, with my bag management being as bobbins as it is. And I, I think that can, that can, be a bit painful for for an unblockable player the static field global is always a pest yeah and it just so uh, you know and that's that's very unpopular with combat players you know lucan for example who likes a good a good big beat stick gets very frustrated with a static field so then you have to make a detour yeah you have to get that wonder woman who's yeah, is she a five or a four? She's a five, four. Five, yeah, four. she's a four cost. There's also a Madam Mask that does the same. Although I think the Wonder Woman's a bit more popular because of her big immovable backside, you know. Or you know, I've seen some people try it out with like Blackbird Global and stuff as well. Yeah. So you, you then start having to reallocate resources to protect yourself against Globals, which means the kind of aggro rush of it all has disappeared because you're spending a turn picking something else up and churning that through to use it. So, yeah, it's great to see that there is a kind of thumpy, in-your-face team in the top eight of the Whiskey's European Open at Game of Versus Cancer. But it does definitely, you know, those who have, whose criticism of the game right now, that it has become very direct damagey and one low combo-y, uh, you know, there may well be something in, in that observation. Yeah, I am, um, well, you know, this. I tried uh, the the third shriek, the 
the shriek that's never talked about. Yeah, um, protects you from Glogals when she attacks too, doesn't she? Uh, she is when shriek attacks players may not activate global abilities until the end of the turn she's a three cost she has to attack um, I wonder how that would go down if you were paying a uh, a, a static field it, yeah it's static field isn't it um, Kate Bishop type team that's got it on it how it would go to have her out quite quickly attack with your single unblockable character and then Static field her back, but I suppose you'd lose the a lot of them. They have to attack alone, don't they? So you're immediately gonna, yeah, yeah. But like the yeah. pox walker ain't gonna ain't gonna do it because it's just in. Does it have to be the sidekick? It doesn't have to be on its own, does it? To be unblockable, so you could potentially do no, something. No, but the the, uh, the insect play global, I think, is once per turn, isn't it? Yeah, but you can make that one singular sidekick unblockable pile all the parasite attacks onto it, attack with that and shriek. And then you keep a mask back to static field, shriek back, but then your opponent can't do globals on could be something in that, you never know. Anyway, I'll yeah, sure. that's way yeah. off topic. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I get what you're saying. I suppose the thing is with Alex Dickerson's team, because it's relying on sidekicks to deliver that damage through insect plague, is that with his PXG global to bring the sidekicks in and also using that PXG global as part of his mimic rank combo it's not quite as painful you know if if you unblockable Yanti disappears for a turn or two well in his team setup he can always get his hands on a, a sidekick you know what a I mean sidekick. yeah you've got to be careful that you don't get everything out of your use pile for your turn which mimic ram can do quite easily well yeah sure sure but uh, you know yeah that's what he's yeah he will have done his kind of gaming rehearsal for so he clearly did becoming top four in gaming versus catcher and top eight at the european national championship coping thing he absolutely did yeah Uh, just to revisit hope summers for a minute of course we've talked about her in terms of copying boom boom but the top four team was using her to copy jubilee that's cool. Is that the um, field of sidekick ping damage? Yeah, that's right. So uh, that was Balash's team. Quite an interesting mix. He, he struck me as quite an old school player because much of his team was constructed in kind of very old uh, back in the day style way. He was using mutation like like we all used to use polymorph, but it was set up to copy Jubilee, do the pingity ping 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 with Jubilee hope copying. So there was two pings for every sidekick fielded. And then, if he needed to, he had the Rachel Summers there as a big X-Men character. Um, and she, when an X-Men character is KO'd, she then KOs all other characters except herself. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, it, essentially, uh, I mean, uh, he didn't use it in our game. In my game, it was just death by a thousand cuts. He was just pinging me like a lunatic. And then using mutation to mutate out my Iceman. Um, and it just took a few times where he caught me out, where I was like, oh, man, I've got a twinger in the use pile, you know, and just catching me out. That was my secret trick. Yeah, well, you know. There you go. Yeah, he cottoned onto that without knowing. But um, he was also using Rachel Summers as just a big beat stick because she's a five five seven seven eight eight, and was using mutation to do the switcheroo in the attack step. Nice. So attack with a couple of characters, say... I've got two defenders, he's got three attackers, he'd attack with the three, I'd block two of them, and then the one that went unblocked, he would just mutate in for the Rachel yeah. Summers. 
uh, go through and then it's sat in the used pile so he could potentially do it again the turn after. Yeah, absolutely. So that was uh, definitely nice. a manoeuvre. Um, I didn't experience that myself. Like I say, playing Balage, I, I was actually a bit overconfident and probably on for the win until he caught me with my pants down on a cheeky mutation at the last minute. But I know he did that through the day, definitely. So Hope Summers, while clearly she's very attractive to copy Boom Boom, as we mentioned earlier, Balage in the top four was using her to copy Jubilee. Soften the ground with lots of ping and then start doing cheeky shenanigans with mutation and, and Rachel Summers as his beat stick. Yeah, um, what else do we talk about? We, uh, ramp, ramp-wise, ramp a lot of people doing the prep global for your extra dice and bag management skills, resetting your bag and making sure you've got things when you want them or the next turn. Yeah, definitely for using the kind of first three turns set up. Very prevalent, wasn't it? Yeah, lots of res, lots of Atlas, lots of create food and water knocking around in both events um, to for that, like you say, that five dice set up. Also, quite a lot of mimic ramp knocking around to uh, to get the you know the scads and scads of dice rolling. Scads and scads of dice, yeah, I do like the mimic ramp. It's definitely the uh, the current day or present day version of PXG. Yeah, for sure. It, it really. I don't think. I think we have a bit of a kind of a ramp or a major ramp drought. Yeah, definitely. We could do with some stuff to uh, to help us to ramp up. I quite like Mimic though. It's it's definitely more balanced than PXG was. Well, yeah. I mean, this. Is, so this is my thing about. Uh, and I've not revisited this subject for a while, but I was getting a bit of bants at the Whiskey's European Open around my displeasure with Shriek, and yet I'm quite happy to use a Hope Summers. It's the uh, return on investment. It's the cost versus the impact. You know, so. PXG was like you just need a mask, and you're bumping your ramp up. You know what I mean? And this was that was back in the days of Parallax as well, so you could like yeah influence your roles. Days. Whereas Mimic, you, you know, you have to get a sidekick in the field, copy the sidekick, then field the sidekick to get the ramp going. It, it require the, the investment in it requires is balanced against the um, against the benefit. Equally, you know, Hope Summers. You need two card slots out of your eight cards. Hope and then the X-Men that she's copying. And then she's got a very low defense compared to the X-Men that she might be copying. So while she brings the game text, she's not, you have to protect her. And, you know, the, the balance is in there. Um, this is where my kind of displeasure retreat comes in because that's not quite as balanced. You can buy it very early doors. It targets a card and it, and it cuts off a win condition or, or a defensive measure straight away. Because I don't, I don't think the effort that you need to buy the shriek is comparable to the impact that she has on the game speaking of shriek uh she was very popular i think we did the we did the count up it was 12 out of the 20 teams 14 uh, 14 14 out of, out of the 20 teams yeah so uh on the team lists there were four of the 20 that in all the hustle and bustle of the day i didn't manage to get hold of the team list for uh, however um a couple of the guys uh philippe and Marcin, thank you guys um follow, i followed up with them and got the teams off, off them subsequent so they're not on the page so there's 12 shrieks on the actual team list presently but overall including Philippe Martin's team there was 14 14 out of the 20 teams included a shriek it's strong though you go to a competitive event you want that maximum effort minimum input well yeah I mean I'm not going to get into that it pisses me off no end that card so <laughs> I don't know what to tell you but it does a job 
and it was definitely that. Although, you know, you could argue that there was six people there who didn't have to take it. No, absolutely right. And certainly Peter van der Velde in the top spot was very pleased and proud to point out to me that he'd become champion without Shriek on his team. Yeah, that's because he just robbed your team, though. <laughs> well, I think the key thing there, though, and as we said in, in the conversation on the day, uh, or, or, or on the Sunday in, in last episode, the key change that Peter made was he kind of shuffled the things around. So he kept the prep global, but he moved Atlas out and put Resurrection in, binned off the throne brick, which I had in mind, to so he could backfill it with Resurrection, and then added the Green Devil Mask, and more importantly, the Black Widow Agent. And I, I don't know how much he used Green Devil Mask, but certainly the Black Widow Agent was the... Uh, it was kind of the pièce de résistance that took him to the top spot in comparison to my build. So even though he drew uh, quite a bit of inspiration from from my use of Iceman through the dice fights over the last couple of weeks, and clearly there's you know a few cards in there that have migrated over into his team, I was it was very apparent to me when I played James I was too underprepared for the mirror match Iceman versus Iceman. I'd kind of got my meta thinking in a good space around well this is what i'll do if i face a nobby and this is what i'll do if i deal with a green lantern and this is what i've got in there if i'm getting bothered by an atlantis and this is what i've got in there if i'm dealing with this and this is what i've got you know but the one i didn't really play test enough or consider strongly enough was the iceman versus iceman and that black widow agent by you know peter would say is the one that took him took him through well done peter yeah so he did rob my list, but he, he added his own little bit of flavour, and that certainly helped him out a great deal. Yeah. Also puts your opponent in difficult... But what do I shriek now? Do I shriek your Black Widow to open up my win condition, or do I shriek your win condition and try and deal with that in another way? You know. So one thing I saw happen quite a lot, like there was a lot of billy clubs around, mostly for the global. Yeah. But I was seeing, uh, certainly in my games, a few times people were like, well, I'll shriek... I don't know, maybe you're one, uh, not your Wonder Woman. I'll try and billy club your Wonder Woman so that I can then get my Shriek in the field to blank your Iceman. Yeah. You know, so there were this kind of detour into having to put together these two things to set them up to get their own win condition back into play. You know, and Black Widow Agents, another example of that, that you put your opponent in a position where they've got to deal with that, manage that before they can get on with their own thing. Yeah. One thing I did want to say is that on the ramp question, there was a lot of global ramp going on. Yeah. So in addition to your prep globals, clay face, energy fixers paired up with PXG, uh, new PXG, clay face. Did I say clay face already? Yeah. I meant techno. You know, stuff like that to convert sidekicks. Sidekicks. Um, or to pull things in out of prep. So one energy becomes two. All right, well, we're definitely super kingpin. I might have to edit that one down, but we'll wrap that, up, that one up there. But we'd be certainly interested to know your thoughts on, on the team lists and what the WizKids European Open meta and the Gaming versus Cancer meta was all about. So if you're a listener who attended either of those events, tell us a little bit about your thinking around your team, Bill. Drop us a, a line. We'll, uh, we'll read it out on the next episode or pop something in the comments to sort of say, yeah, well, you know, I, I played Boom Boom and these these were the reasons why. Really super interested to know that. And then if you weren't at either of those events, if, you, if you're uh, an onlooker from an, uh, another country, then how does our meta differ to yours? What are your observations around that? But certainly, yeah, let's, let's, get, let's have some more conversation about it. I think 
think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating to look at the, the different thinking around team building and playing that exists yeah. um, all around the world. So drop something in on that also. Love to hear from you. Yes, welcome back, good Dice Masters folk. And for this segment now, uh, well, let me. it's based around some listener correspondence. We had super fan Chris Club get in touch. He dropped us a note. Uh, we, we've been saying, you know, send, send us a janky card you want us to try and build around or something. We'll give it a go. And so Superfan Chris got in touch and said, a great candidate for a card to build around that is the absolute wackiest one he can think of is the common danger room. So uh, we've been sitting on this for a little while because we've had many and varied distractions since Chris wrote to us, the least of which was Gaming versus Cancer and the Whiskey European Open. However... We're like elephants, we never forget. And now that things have settled down on the competitive front, this week we have both gone away and brewed a team based on the common danger room. I have indeed a thought of a name. Oh, oh go on then. Chris Club's Crazy Cards. <laughs> what, because he's like the only one who ever writes to us, yeah. asking us to build teams? <laughs> just, just, just for this segment, and then if someone else does the same, I can... Uh... You'll work it, yeah, got you, yeah. got you, got you. So the common danger room, if for those who are unfamiliar, its subtitle is "Training is the Key." It's a four-cost bolt, and it reads, reads "Reroll all active character dice, move any that show energy faces to their owner's use pile, return the rest to their owner's field zone on their rolled levels." So it's just like a big old apocalypse, basically. I don't know if folks remembered the promo apocalypse. Roll everything. But uh, four, three, two, or something like that. Something like the subtitle was like Earth four three two. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, something something like that. One of the random alt universe things, yeah. Uh, but it's certainly a risky card to be using. Certainly is. Yeah, uh, because it's not only your opponents, but it's your own dice. So uh, it it could be really apocalyptic if you fire yeah. it off and lose your whole field, and then pass turn, and you know your opponent's just like, well, I rolled everything back in. Let's uh, let's let's duff you up. Do you in? Yeah, so. it's a bit like um, the, the Daisy Johnson and from Guardians of the Galaxy that I played around with, and also there was one from Civil War, one of the New Warriors. Check me out. Oh yeah. Um, Who was that? Justice. Was it? it was one that when he was KO'd, he did damage to everything. I don't think it was not like re-roll everything, but it was damage to everything. Um, I, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. The only new warrior I can remember is um, is Justice, the one that got bigger with the sidekicks. I mean, I can probably remember more than that. So I'm really curious uh, to know how you've manoeuvred your team around that. I've had some ideas and built my team. How do you want to play this? You want to go go card by card, or we can just chew it out and see. We can rock paper scissors. See who goes first. All right, okay, ready? Okay. One, two, three, go. Scissors. Scissors. Oh, okay. One, two, three, go. Paper. Rock. Ah, okay, I'll go first then. That's right, isn't it? Paper, rock, rock. Yeah, yeah, paper, I mean, rock. I've been, I've been playing too much rock, paper, wizard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to find this. Um, speedball. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, speedball. Uh, when Speedball is dealt combat damage, deal damage to each other character die equal to the amount of damage done to Speedball. That was the one. Yeah. Similar, but um, not quite as 
nasty as the danger room. No, for sure. No, well, so my team, uh, there's two th- two kind of contributing factors that I built my team around. One of which is based on w- what is frankly a very frightening ruling that's come out the woodwork uh, as a result of an up- a very scary upcoming D&D card. And one is based on just newish stuff. So I'll do I'll do the first one. So the Godcatcher's coming down the pipeline. It is indeed. And the Godcatcher puts tokens out in the field. And there was a bit of discussion on the rules forum of Discord a little while back, talking as people were talking about ideas with the Godcatcher. Uh, they pointed out, and I'll, I'll read you the, the, the rules straight out the rule book. Some cards will have the ability to generate character tokens. These tokens may be represented by whatever you would like and for game purposes are considered to be level 1 character dice with a purchase cost of 0. Their attack and defense values will be given by the card generating them and can only exist in the field zone. And this is the bit now. They may not be spun up, spun down or re-rolled. Uh-oh. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, clearly, uh, the discussion at the time was talking about Godcatcher and how it could be a great solution for Green Devil Mask. Yeah. You know. However, in this context, I was like, ah, well, there's a way I can make sure I've got stuff in my field. If, if, if so, if the danger room goes dreadfully wrong, at least I can. I know I can put a few. I can have something going on and have a few tokens out. So I've put Squirrel Girl Nutty Nanny who, at the beginning of my t- clear and draw step, fields a one attack, one defense squirrel token. And then I have Poison Ivy Eternal Youth. So when you use an action die, she fields a plant token, not attack and two defense. Nice. Yeah. So I was thinking Squirrel Girl, she can get tokens out in my go, but then Poison Ivy, when you use, because we're going to play the two Danger Room teams, um, when you use your Danger Room, at least I know I'll always have... <laughs> <laughs> an unrollable 0-2 defender in the field. That was my thinking. So there's that. Then uh, my, my other angle I've gone down is Energize. So I've put Psylocke and Domino in there. Psylocke reforming X-Force and Domino not really a party girl. They're both cheap. Psylocke's 2 cost. Domino's 3 cost. Get them out in the field. Fire off the danger room. If they roll characters, great. That's fine. They go back to the field. If they don't roll characters, my hope is that they'll roll double energy. Psylocke will get me a sidekick out in the field, and Domino will ping you for one. Shimples. Shimples. Nice. Yeah. Um, So, uh, and Psylocke getting a sidekick out in the field is obviously, again, just that. If it all goes disastrously wrong, at least I know I've managed to roll up a a last-minute blocker, you know. Uh, then I put Earth X Machine Man X51 in. This was a suggestion by our man Paul Fullwood. Paul and Seth put this one on my radar. Uh, opponents can't target Earth X Machine Man. Opposing action dice have no effect on Earth X Machine Man. So he's not going to re-roll either. Well, when when yours goes off, I'll have to re-roll him when I do mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then he's got Underdog. Earth X Machine Man costs two less to purchase. I think underdogs, if um, you've got more characters in the field than me, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking if, yeah, you know, if it all goes horribly wrong again, you've got loads of characters back, I haven't, and at least then your danger room is not going to affect him. Uh, Mystique, oh, bitter victory. This is the one that gets plus one, plus one for each other character dice in the field zone. So uh, I was just thinking, you know, what, if I've got a load of squirrel tokens. That might make yeah. it really hard. <laughs> really scientific thinking process there. 
And then I put Malekith, 13th son of a 13th son, the blue eyes style for actions, global. Um, because I've got Power Almighty and Haymaker as my basic actions, and they're both quite steep at four cost. And I thought if I've got loads of Squirrel tokens and Poison Ivy tokens, I've got lots of fodder to KO. Nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, Poison Ivy, sorry, has got a, another piece of little cheeky game text as well. It says, um, you may sacrifice one of your characters in the field zone and deal two damage to target player. Oh, wow. How many times can you do that? Once per turn. Oh, okay, cool. During my turn. Once during my turn. Yeah, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Just get uh, 10 squirrel tokens and... KO or, well, yeah, sacrifice all 10 of them and... And do 20, yeah. No, it's yeah. just once per turn. So, But it's a, again, if I just end up really lousy with squirrel tokens and plant tokens. Yeah, so there you go. There were some other ideas that I toyed around with, but I suppose we'll talk about them after you've run your team down, shall we? Yeah, cool. So I had two thoughts for um the danger room card as well one being the re-roll and the gold catcher so i too have got squirrel girl nutty nanny on my team oh cheeky boy so uh that should be interesting we're going to be lining up a load of squirrels against each other so i've gone with um squirrel girl for the tokens so that the re-roll won't do too much havoc if you've got yeah. Something horrible like great, a uh, great mind. mystique coming down the line. I then thought on the side of having lots of stuff in the use pile because more than likely a lot of stuff's going to end up being uh, re-rolled and go to the use pile to that end. Sure. I have put in uh, misdirection. Oh, yeah. Great. A cheeky little two-cost action to uh, bring in something from the use pile yeah. uh, and also by frost as well, which is when you field a character die, you may field target character die in your use pile on the same level for free. Very good. Uh, so, you did and that. so that could potentially bring some stuff back in. Ah, nice thinking. So uh, yeah, we've got Atlas for the, the prep uh, because you're going to want the squirrel girl pretty quick. So you need that kind of, churn in for turn three yep. you have to invest pretty heavily in it for one of the turns but uh, uh we'll see how that plays off then i've got bishop butterfly effect because i'm playing you um <laughs> and i always think i should have had that uh, when you're pouring direct damage my way uh i've gone for the songbird uh, intimidate very good uh, so intimidate anything at a cost four or less to see if I can get rid of Which is something basically my whole team. <laughs> causing, causing <laughs> havoc. Then went for Batiri Battle Stack. There's a little bit of a the secondary kind of yeah, swarm in with the it's the common one with a plus one and attack plus one defence for each other Batiri Battle Stack for a bit of supplemental ramp back if the bag management fails with the prep uh also it's got fists because i too have got haymaker on the team oh. uh, to try and use those battery battle stack fists to pump away yeah uh, and then the last card is the capture blob ah okay to try and uh the remove uh yeah uncommon so when fielded capture target opposing character die until blob leaves the field zone more than likely he's going to be leaving the field zone relatively regularly but um uh, if something happens to get me pinned down then he's quite a good utility piece and i've always played the rare one so i thought i'd give him a go because you always use him quite well against me 
And there's the 10. Yeah, check you out. Following all, you got your ramp, got your wind condition, got your, got your control, got your churn. Crikey, anyone would think that I've got, got the national championship got, under me. Got your removal. I've just loaded up with loads of characters that hopefully can survive the danger room. <laughs> that poison ivy's got me worried, though, with the two damage. Uh, well, not if you've got your bishop out. Um, although she's not my main win condition, that's actually an added bonus. She's there for the tokens. My killer blow is hopefully going to be a massive mystique with a haymaker. Yeah, what's that haymaker is? What does that do? Plus three attack and overcrash. Yeah, so I'm hoping if there's a load of squirrel tokens and poison ivy tokens, and there's likely going to be even more now, which is super exciting, uh, my mystique will be mahoosive. Yes. When she attacks, well, you have to wait and see how exciting. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, okay, well, there's a couple of things that I was supposed to point out in terms of uh, the brewing. So both of us clearly identified that there was a risk involved because it re-rolls all characters. So we've set up things, explored some things to kind of uh, keep our asses out of the sling should it all go horribly wrong from the re-roll. Uh, and I think the tokens is a good shout there. One thing I looked at was... Um, and I think I might have mentioned this to you before. I've used it. I used to use it in my old uh, satchel of unlimited weaponry team. Was the dragon statue trap with a dragon? So the dragon statue trap. When you when your opponent attacks, you can bring a an unpurchased dragon in on level three, and then at the end of the turn, it goes back to the card. Nice. Yeah. So I just sort of pop one of them out. But it was kind of like two two cards and a lot of dice that. Um, for, for just to achieve one little thing, I thought, well, that's not really helping me with my win condition much, is it? No. No, so I can that one off. And I'll tell you something else I was looking at. I was talking about this uh, with Bodie on on Discord a little earlier today. Um, immortal game text, the keyword. So if the dice got re-rolled, the immortal characters, instead of go going in the, the usual, they'd go in the bag. Yeah, but... Uh, the downfall of that was they're all really expensive. They're like five, sixes, and sevens with massive fielding costs. I mean, I could have yeah. put like a Jane, uh, what's her name, Jane Fostron or something. Um, and going into the bag's great, but it still kind of leaves you a little vulnerable for a turn. So. Yeah, and then if you've got four coming out of the bag and nothing to <laughs> spend, you're going to be a bit caught short while you could be. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, an idea, one, but one that I didn't kind of find the time to explore more. Maybe some combination of Squirrel Girl and some Immortal cards or something might have done it. But, um, yeah, I, I, felt I came down on the Squirrel tokens and the big mystique. Yeah, I was having a hunt for, I'm sure there's at least a card, if not a few, that trigger some kind of ability when a dice leaves the field zone. It's not, it's, it's not explained as KO'd it's where the dice leaves the field zone but I could not find it oh okay um, yeah I can't uh... I'm sure there's some out there it might be golden it might be just old crappy yeah, the, the, game text sure sure I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing I thought of was Riddler you know when you when opponent rolls uh, or re-rolls a dice they get t- they hit, hit with two damage but I threw that one out because I was like well if, if he re-rolls and then doesn't come back <laughs> Yeah, that's what I get. There's a lot of characters that you put out there, but they're going to potentially just disappear anyway. Yeah, and be lost forever. So, 
yeah, uh, I dismissed that one. So there you go, Chris. We've we've both made two teams based around the common danger room. Uh, I think what what we'll probably face is is a bit of a a bit of a struggle because uh, I, I was messaging Andy a little earlier today saying, well, don't we need two teams really? One our danger room team, then one to play against the danger room team. But I think we're just going to go see who the who the king of the highway to the danger room is. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that pans out. But what we are going to do is uh, we'll record a best of three with the two teams um, and pop it up on our YouTube channel so that you can go and see how the subsequent testing of the two ideas goes. Sounds good. Yeah. So hopefully that's a few ideas, Chris. And uh, we'd like to also throw it out to you guys in the audience. Uh, has anyone played around with Common Danger Room? What what ideas did you have to make it a uh, powerful kind of board board reset, board clear um, that you could um, survive off the back of or do some damage? What kind of funky combos? What, what, what kind of janks out there? We won't have hit upon all the all the wombo combo potential. There must be something new and exciting out there. Um, so let's see how what what comes out the woodwork off the back of that. But if you want to see how our versions of the teams go, hop on over to YouTube's. Right. Well, let's uh, let's get down to it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go and give these a play then. So uh, I'll make sure I pop the video up on the same night as the episode goes live. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, it's clever, isn't it? All right, folks. Well, enjoy. On on to the next segment. Well, there we are then, ladies and gents. As all things must, this episode has come to an end. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. I, I, I was I was expecting you to. I didn't. Yeah, I was I was waiting. I actually counted to six seconds when we do our little silence break. <laughs> yeah, held my tongue. Just Expecting for you. you just to hop in, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not not a great deal else to say to see us out at the end of this episode. Oh, happy Christmas to everyone. I think this is the, the last normal episode till uh, till the new year. Oh yes, you're right. Absolutely, yeah. and all things going to plan, we'll have an episode going out just before Christmas on the 23rd that will be our Christmas special. Everyone gets very excited for our Christmas specials. Yeah, do they? Yeah. Go mad for it. Well, that's good, yeah. That's good. So, as always, for the Christmas special, we've got something a little little different planned. A little a little, a little bit of je ne sais quoi, a little bit of X Factor for that episode there. It won't be your usual kind of three-segment <laughs> <laughs> natter. Uh, so that will go out at Christmas. And then sort of got the two-week Christmas period and then we'll be back in the new year yeah so Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone yeah yeah I mean we'll say it in the Christmas special but this is like the proper one isn't it yeah yeah um so look forward to that hopefully um yeah otherwise I think do we want to mention Alex Dickinson's little venture oh yeah I meant to do it in the intro did you oh well you know the outro is where it's all at is it? Yeah, because everybody sits yeah. and listens to this all the way through to this bit. Troy does, but at 1.5. <laughs> it's, it's for the best, it's for the best. Yeah, uh, Alex Dixon and Rob Pettifor, two friends of ours from the United Kingdom, uh, regular competitors in the Thursday Night Online Dice Fight League, um, have popped up 
uh, or, or kicked off uh, a little YouTube channel where they've been recording some games. It's called Breath Weapon X. They've got one episode out as of today, uh, and they're exploring just kind of weird random combos. So they played a three-card team each in this episode, uh, this first episode that they put out, uh, to see who could win the fastest with just three cards available to them. That's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, that is quite cool. Uh, uh, and both of them had some interesting ideas and interesting ways of doing that. So uh, go and take a look at that, boys and girls, ladies and gents. But subscribe to us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Go and watch theirs after you've been and watched ours. Goes without saying. Yeah, all right then. Okay, well, uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time for the Christmas special. I've been Chris, a.k.a. Drew Mr. Six. Uh, and I've been Andy, a.k.a. Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Ta now. Bye bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>